Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl, and I talk about how you can start, run, and sell a bootstrap business. This episode is called Accountability Systems for Founders. Let's get started. Some days I don't feel like doing anything entrepreneurial at all. And it's not that I'm burned out or disinterested, not at all. But there's just those days where all I want to do is just curl up on the couch, read a good book, or have a bath. Whatever. It's just those days. And often I take the day off and indulge in whatever distraction I crave. It's fun, and it's filling up my creativity well, and I can get back to work the next day feeling refreshed. But sometimes this lull just lasts for longer, and it starts threatening my overall output. It's easy to take a break. And it's very easy to take a break from producing things. The hard part is to get back to doing it. And very early in my entrepreneurial journey, I learned that I needed checks and balances in place if I wanted to build something successful. My motivation is not a constant stream. And some days I'm hyper-motivated to write and to build. And then there's other days where I can't seem to put a word to paper or write a single line of code. just doesn't happen. And with these fluctuations in my intrinsic motivation, I learned that I needed external stimulation to get stuff going. And something that would remind me of the larger purpose of my work would help best with this. So I needed an accountability system. And I'm not alone. Many founders, no matter if they are solopreneurs or part of a team, need to build this kind of structure that allows them to compensate for whatever reasons to procrastinate their minds can come up with. And since we all have unique challenges, we have found to multiple of accountability approaches that work for each of us, and they're different between us. Some some people involve other people and groups and whole companies and, and communities in their accountability schemes. So let me just introduce a couple of these so you'll see what may fit for you. Let's start with building in public. As entrepreneurs, we have this incredible luxury of being able to tap into a global community of like-minded founders. And great advice is just one direct message away most of the time, right? You can just really reach out to whomever you want, and they can usually come up with good advice if they find the time to answer. So we're part of this knowledge graph of incredible proportions. And some founders have started using that to their advantage. They share their progress with their community at large, And on Twitter in particular, that entails publicly sharing thoughts and choices and milestones on the path to building a successful business. And every consideration, every newly built feature, every quirky customer service conversation is a new tweet, is a new piece of content, some opportunity to engage with the founder community as a founder that is part of that community. And those founders who communicate their progress like that, share their journey as it happens. So it's a real-time affair. They share the good and the bad. And successes and struggles alike find their way into the public discourse, inviting commentary, often very empathetic support from the community, and they're making the founder and their business more humane and visible. And it's in this moment of uncertainty and hardship that we all have that building in public really shines. Instead of being limited to a subjectively limited perspective, right, your own thoughts, these entrepreneurs publicly ask the questions that other founders would only ask themselves. 
The results of these conversations tend to be incredibly eye-opening. More often than not, experienced founders jump into this conversation and share hard-earned insights within minutes after a question is asked. And that is one of the greatest benefits of building in a social network like Twitter or any kind of public community. Like you never know who's watching and you never know who could help you with this. You only really need to talk about it. So building in public is essentially crowdsourcing decision-making and it's getting expert opinions at scale 24-7. Now that's mostly connected to input. So how does it relate to accountability? It turns out that sharing your progress in public creates a lo- lo- like a loyal follower base uh, co- that consists of people who really want to see you succeed. I am building a SaaS in public right now, and I write my books in public as well. Consequently, people reach out to me all the time. They ask me about my progress or if they can help me in any way or if I can help them, and it usually turns into a conversation. And when I don't talk about a particular project for a while, people who remember that I committed to something a while ago, they will resurface that project to me and encourage me to keep going. So building in public is commitment in public. Once you start sharing your progress, people expect more to come. And for that to happen, you need to continue working on your projects. And there's your accountability system. Another accountability system that works really well is mentorship, which of course is an old concept. It's nothing new. It has happened like for thousands, if not tens of thousands of years. But In a digital world, it has a couple of very interesting new dimensions. Because tapping into the knowledge of the crowd is a great way to get additional perspectives, but it can be quickly overwhelming. And we certainly know that anything that has to do with social media and and digital communities is quite overwhelming just from the sheer scope and size of these communities. If you have thousands of people share their opinions, you'll see conflicting advice. People will say one thing and the other thing, and it would both kind of work and make sense. And it's hard to know which one is more applicable to your business. And there are people out there who can help you contextualize this advice and apply it to your own business. And those people are called mentors, successful and experienced founders who've been there before and who understand the subtleties and the uniqueness of each entrepreneurial journey and how to apply advice. And finding a mentor to guide you along your path isn't as easy as sharing your progress uh, in public. Because mentorship is an active two-sided relationship. And if you want to be a mentee, you first have to get a mentor to actually commit to such a relationship. Now, there are also varying degrees of mentorship. And they differ primarily by how often you communicate and how in-depth your mentor's knowledge and involvement in your business is. You have to remember that mentors being those successful founders are sought after experts who usually are pretty busy themselves doing whatever they want to do. So they won't be able to spend many, many hours a week helping you with your business. You have to kind of expect that uh, mentorship is time limited in, in some capacity where building in public is not. You'll always find people in public who want to respond to whatever you're doing and kind of help you with their guidance and help you with their opinion. With mentorship, it's a... It's a differently scheduled affair, at least. There is a thing called the permissionless apprenticeship. And that's an interesting approach that kind of short circuits this need for your mentor to agree to a relationship. You just kind of start working for them without asking. And you ask for nothing in return, but just really opening a line of communication. More often than not, this enthusiasm will lead to an actual relationship with this person, which can turn into a long-term mentorship. 
And it usually starts with a DM or a conversation in the replies of a tweet, and you just kind of start working. You start doing something, communicating with them, keeping them updated, and, and often, more often than not, people will agree to this in the end anyway. And if you don't want to do that, if you want to actually build a relationship that is two-sided from the start, you can use mentorship platforms like MentorCruise, because they, they allow you to find mentors who will regularly um, stay in touch with you for a monthly fee. And it's a mix of consulting, I guess, and long-term mentoring. And I've been a mentor on that platform with great success in the past. It was a lot of fun, like guiding lots of people at the same time, just a call a week, something like this. And just seeing people making progress and taking up the advice that was given not just by me, but also other mentors and just integrating it into their business. It's, it's really exciting. And um, it's something you can do to have like a loose but regular relationship with a mentor. And then if you really want to go all in on this, you can always find mentors by joining accelerator programs or getting funded by the likes of Tiny Seed or Earnest Capital. Both of these bootstrapper line funding options come with impressive mentor networks from people who've really been there. Lots of SaaS founders, obviously, because those are SaaS-related funding options. People who've been building successful SaaS companies in the past, multiple of them most of the time. And those mentor networks are heavily involved in trying to increase the returns of the funds, which means making the companies involved successful. So if you want to find mentors, that is always a path you can go as well. And mentors in general, they will keep you focused on the things that matter for you and your business, right? When I see one of my mentees working on pointless but easy-to-build features instead of talking to their customers, which they should be, I will call it out. And my job as a mentor is to keep them accountable. Their job is to want to be accountable to me. And I think just to close this up, this particular part here about mentorship, paying for mentorship is fine. Just like paying for consulting is fine. Paying for anything valuable is fine. It, I might be biased here, obviously, having been in such a relationship, but I believe that value should always be compensated and particularly mentorship, something where you tap into the experience of somebody else and they spend time working on your problems with you and for your business. Compensation is a pretty good idea. In any way, right? You, it doesn't have to be monetar monetary or anything. You can find different ways, but usually I feel the value exchange is definitely there and compensation should be part of it. Now, going stepping away from mentorship for a second, there's also accountability groups and masterminds, which is a more community-based approach, but not as community-based as building in public. It sits right between. Because if you don't want to report to a single person, you might find a better solution in these kind of practice-driven accountability groups. A great example is the Weekend Club, uh, which is a support network for founders working on a side project, which often happens on the weekend, hence the name. And people show up on weekends, and they expect you to show up too. And communities like this are motivation generators. Think that almost batteries of motivation that you can tap into when you need it, because other people will try to hold you accountable. They thrive on the momentum of the combined activity of their members. So the more active you are, the more you'll encourage others to keep you motivated, and they will then keep you motivated when you're not as active. It's a, it's a give and take situation. And another more intense version of this, which is not just kind of co-working in a virtual space, would be masterminds. And those are usually invite-only groups, small groups consisting of founders who are roughly on the same level of experience, 
And the purpose of these groups is to confidenti- confidentially, I guess, discuss high important topics, highly important topics, and support each other during the day-to-day affairs of running a business. It's kind of a, yeah, what, what the term mastermind suggests, people really trying to figure out solutions to each other's problems in a small group. And no matter what kind of group you find, you will build long-term relationships with some of the people in there. And I've made lifelong friendships from experiences like this in the past. It's, it's really, really solid to have people who are also kind of sharing your drive and your passion for building a business to be around you all the time. You'll find a lot of founders who are in some sort of a community like this. Very few founders go at running their business completely alone. Either they do it completely in public, obviously, building in public, or they just really consume resources that are available in public, or they have a small group or small-ish group of people surrounding them, helping them out, building their business. And I want to suggest one more thing that you can do that might be surprising and you may not have come across just yet as a concept, and that would be the fake investor update. Because if you're a bootstrap founder, it's quite likely that you don't have any institutional investors to report to. And that's great in one way, because it allows you to keep the value you create with your business, which is the whole reason why you're bootstrapping. But on the other hand, it also keeps you from having a well-oiled accountability system, because any VC-backed founder is used to keeping their investors in the loop regularly. Sending out investor updates becomes a common founder activity for those people, and establishes immediate feedback loops with other stakeholders. And that's one of the few things that I really like about this VC um, founder-investor relationship, that there is an accountability system built in, mostly because the investors want to see a return on their investment, obviously. So it's not necessarily to the advantage of the founder, but since it's supposed to help the business thrive, the founder, in, in most ways, becomes a beneficiary to that advice as well. And you can kind of take this approach and add it to your bootstrap business by really just sending out fake investor updates. Just in the style of this permissionless apprenticeship, you write an update email every month, or like, I don't know, every couple of weeks, and you ask the people you admire and you seek advice from if you can send it to them. They don't have to be your investors. You just act like they are. And some will say no, but most founders will actually be curious and they will say yes, and they will, will be willing to help you be accountable. I received like four or five fake investor updates from founders that have started doing this. And it's super interesting. Keeps them accountable, keeps me in the loop. And any entrepreneur will do, right? You can take people on your level. You can find more successful ones. You can even go to those who just started out and have a very fresh perspective on this. Sharing your thoughts and plans with a diverse group of people will logically result in a more diverse range of replies, which is what you're going for when you look advice. And there are plenty of resources on how to write a solid investor update as there is this whole community of VC-backed founders out there trying to figure out how to most efficiently do this. So find a structure that works for you from all these websites that um, are out there claiming to tell you how to write the perfect investor update. Obviously, there is no such thing, but something will work better for you than others. And as an added benefit, beyond the feedback that you'll get from your fake investors... These updates that you write, which are most of the time emails, also serve as historical snapshots of your thoughts and activities in the business. It's really nice if you want to retrace your steps a couple years in the future that you can just go to your emails and really see what you were struggling with, what you were building, what your goals were, what your mission was at that point, 
And then you can see and go back and write this gigantic blog post about how how you became successful. <laughs> I don't know. It really is about having historical snapshots, which if you don't do stuff like that, it, it's all going to be a blur. I, I can tell you that. Like Considering that we built Feedback Panda within two years and sold it just before we hit the two-year mark, if you ask me what I did in month 11, I would really struggle to tell you exactly what I was thinking at that point. I probably would go back in the Git commits of the repository if I still had access to that, I guess, and see what I built. But at this point, I couldn't tell you. So having these kind of emails on a regular cadence allows you to really see the, yeah, the, this kind of the time snapshots of your business. And the more elaborate you are, in sharing your reasoning, the easier it will be for point, for people to point out obvious flaws or share relatable anecdotes from their own experiences. So um, since you won't write such an update every week, I, I really recommend being as verbose as you like because brevity is great if you're writing tweets or really interesting poems or something. But, uh, but when it comes to the choices you make for your business and how you reason about them, the a little more context goes a long way. So the the more you write, the better. Of, of course, there's a ceiling to this, but these things can be long. It's just what I'm trying to say. And here's an absolutely wonderful added benefit of this. The Once you write these fake investor updates, they will establish a relationship that might turn into exciting opportunities down the road with the people that you're writing it to. Because you are talking to experienced founders, sometimes even investors, maybe, or founders who turn into investors. And there can be so many things that can happen from this. You can get customers. You can maybe uh, roll into partnerships because people really find your, uh, your work interesting. And all of a sudden, you, you, don't, you didn't even expect that they offer you a partnership. Or the best part, somebody might actually want to acquire you or fund you, right? All of these are likely outcomes of regularly showing up and demonstrating how trustworthy you are by sharing your thoughts and plans with people that you can confidentially share this with. So if you commit to sending out an update every month, yeah, you will have to do something every month as well, right? If you have a, a monthly update, you need to fill it with something. And it can't just be, oh yeah, this month I didn't do any marketing. And consider that if you sent that to actual investors, they would be really, really upset. So fake investor updates should be treated like real investor updates in that you actually want to show how you added value to your business. And since there is this kind of regular cadence, you have to do stuff in between. And that's your accountability system with these investor updates. And I just want to talk about expectations at this point, because that's kind of the core of accountability, if you think about it. And it's that looming feeling of someone expecting you to have done something regularly, um, that's the core of any accountability system. When I started writing regularly after selling Feedback Panda, I knew that I needed to put such an external method into place for myself because, like I said, my internal motivation is is sometimes waning and, and sometimes it comes in a like an avalanche or something. It's, it's not, nothing that I can say is, is reliable, so I needed a system in place. And I started the weekly newsletter uh, and a podcast, obviously, which you're listening to right now. And I knew that if there was even just one person who'd subscribe to the newsletter or who would uh, subscribe to the podcast, I feel obligated to provide them with something every week. Really, that, that was it. One person that wants to hear from me, well, I better show up. And as I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm aware that several thousand people are 
subscribe to my newsletter and equal amount of money, uh, sorry, equal amount of people, oh God, is listening to this podcast. And whenever I feel like I can defer writing or recording to the next day, I consider that a few of those people would be really disappointed if I missed a week of sharing my thoughts. And that's enough to keep me from just pushing this as far as I can and to actually get, start, get started working on my content immediately. So one last thought about this whole accountabilities issue, and I want to talk about habits and pacts at this point. Because whatever path you choose for your external accountability, there's always a way to be account- accountable to yourself. And in his book, Indistractable, Nirayal suggests making pacts with yourself to build effective habits. And the whole point of Indistractable is to set up a system where you don't trigger yourself to do stuff. You remove external triggers from your life. You, you really look into your habits and you set up pacts with yourself to keep them, keep them going. And the general idea, and please read the book, it's very instructive, is to set up rules that, if broken, cause some minor yet noticeable loss to yourself. And um, like having to put a dollar into the swear jar after cursing, right? That's the kind of the idea where all of this comes from. Translate it into our entrepreneurial world, consider tiny self-punishments, such as delaying gratification or limiting the time spent on entertainment. Those could be potential um, yeah, my mini punishments for breaking a pact. But don't overdo it with the punishments. Honestly, accountability should be a good thing. You shouldn't be punished for not being accountable. You should be rewarded for being accountable. Consider setting up little rewards for reaching mini milestones. Um, just posted your 10th piece of Twitter content for the day or the week, grab a beer. Or just wrote another 300 words on that blog post for your company blog. Do YouTube cat video marathon for half an hour. Doesn't really matter. The bigger the effort, the bigger the reward. At least that's how it should be. Whatever system you end up setting up for yourself, remember that it's there to serve you, not the other way around. I think that's the core about all systems that you set up in your business, be it accountability system or automation system or customer outreach stuff. Um, Entrepreneurial systems are extensions of the founders, not opportunities for them to be busy. So... Ask around in your community, observe how other founders keep themselves accountable, and try out a few methods to figure out which one works for you. We have all, we have a unique ways of keeping focused and stay accountable. And it might take a few tries to find a compatible method, but the goal is to find a way that aligns your motivation with your mission. And at that point, accountability will be a natural consequence of all of your actions. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Boots of Founder podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Kahl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. And you can check out the blog at thebootstrappedfounder.com. You can find my book, Zero to Sold, at zerotosold.com. If you have any questions about this episode, reach out on Twitter or send an email to arvid at thebootstrappedfounder.com. If you want to support me in the Boots of Founder podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It'll help other founders and founders to be to find the podcast and learn more about starting, running, and selling their bootstrap businesses. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.